Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. Rob? How are you today, Wayne? I'm fantastic, thank you. Yeah. We are We are now, we were, the last episode we did, we were in California. We're now going to go all the way further north. We are moving to the Great White North. Yes, all the way across, past America, past the, uh, past the border there, all the way to Western Canada, Calgary. And we have a guest on our show today that uh, I was there the day that we decided to hire him. In fact, I was in the interview when we, we hired Brad. And so we have Brad Scott with Bona. He's a territory manager for, uh, for that part of the world. How you doing, Brad? Pretty good. How you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing Did you well. give Wayne money during that interview? Did you slip him money under the table or something? Yeah, but he couldn't figure out why our money was all funny colored up here. Oh. He thought it was Monopoly money. Yeah, I threw it out the window. <laughs> so when we, I was there for the interview, and Jordan Anderson um, and I went there, and we interviewed Brad for the job. And um, we go outside, and uh, Jordan says, what do you think? I said, well, there, there's nobody else left. I mean, he's the last guy we're talking to. You might as well hire the damn guy. And uh, in all seriousness, what? He's uh, the only one who passed the drug test. <laughs> You're in. What a great hire, man. What a, what a, what a, what a coup to get Brad Scott. And uh, you've done a great job. And uh, there's no denying that. And, and talking with your distributors and, and uh, your work acumen and how hard you work and everything. Uh, uh, great to have you on. And frankly, it's about damn time we had somebody on from Canada. Well, I was wondering. Um, I was wondering why it took you so long to have a Canadian guest on the show. You're right. You're 100 right about that. And I'm going to say this: if I don't get a chance in my life to go up and explore Canada more and take my wife up there, I I will count it as one of my biggest losses in life. I love Canada. I've loved the the time that I've been up there. Uh, I I fished up there. Uh, it is freaking gorgeous, and uh, the people up there are so great, man. I, it's a uh, just one of my favorite places in the world. I, I love Canada. I'm big into fishing, and so you guys are spoiled up there. Um, so great to have you on. And I have to say also, before we get it started with you, because this is more about me than you, Brad. Um, I was at a school. I was at a school in Nashville. Uh, Rob Johnson was teaching a school. We had a guy there from Canada. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention his name real quick. It's uh, Delbert with Sheffield Hardwood Floors. Okay. So this guy, and I, I think he had another very successful career before he started doing floors. So he, he started a little bit later in life than some guys do. And he was on a panel and it was a maple panel. And you know how at school, sometimes there's several people on a panel, right? So one of our instructors came to me after the sanding portion of it and said, um, I don't think he's really happy with the way the floor is being sanded, the, the way that it looks. And I looked over at him and he's on his knees and he has a halogen light and he's, he's looking at the floor, very, really critiquing the floor. I said, okay. I said, well, let's make sure, you know, it meets his satisfaction and whatever. So they went on and they standed some more and another guy got on a machine, another guy got on a machine. So, you know, there's a lot of different hands on it. And so he came up to me and he goes, you know, I'm, I don't know. I just thought the floor's not as flat as it needs to be. So the instructor said, well, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do? Because now we're kind of moving on to the staining portion of the, of the, of the, uh, school. I said, that man came here to see that floor flat. 
and it's not meeting his expectations. So this is a gift he's giving us. Let's make that damn floor flat. Let's go out there and make sure that when he leaves here, this meets his expectations. And his expect expectations, this guy is a stickler, man. I mean, he was that. I mean, he, he examined that floor with halogen lights from every angle and everything. And uh, I was so glad he came to the class for that reason, because like Rob says, a lot of times you learn a lot from the people that are in the class. And, uh, and he raised the bar, I think, for the instructor, a young instructor that we had. And uh, uh, so anyhow, if you're out there listening, I appreciate that you, you uh, came to the classes and we've talked several times since then. So thank you. Well, really, the brains behind Sheffield Floors is Delbert's wife. She's yes. the one. She works right alongside him every job. So they're, uh, yeah. they're quite a team. Very cool. So, Brad, uh, how long have you been with Bona now? And tell us a little bit about your background. I've been with Bona now for two and a half years. Uh, before, I, before I started with Bona, we'll start at the beginning, I guess, of my working career. Um, I started at a company in, uh, in the greater Vancouver area called The Finishing Touch. I started there as a, uh, I started there kind of as a shop hand, cleaning the floors, uh, putting away lumber, putting away moldings. And uh, the manager there, he actually caught me talking to customers. I was talking to contractors about different things. And, you know, I started, he said, oh, he said, Brad, he said, you're pretty good at talking to those contractors. Do you want to have a, do you, do you want to have a sales role or do you want to have a sales code? I said, oh, I could give that a try. Well, I was 15 when I started there. By the time I was 18, I was out selling the top sales guys and I had contractors waiting for me out the door. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was really my start into the flooring business. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty young guy. I'm 33. So to be 33 and have 18 years experience in the flooring business isn't, uh, isn't going to be that common out there. Um, from there, I went to a company called Windsor Plywood, which uh, is a big flooring, our big chain up here in the West. Uh, most people that are listening from this part of the world will know what that company is. And uh, I worked there for, for about five years. I started in the door shop, uh, managing the shop and uh, working as a sales consultant. And I ended up being a manager at the store. Um, you know, and I left, uh, I left Windsor to go work in Saskatchewan. I don't know if any of you, if you know where that is, Wayne. I do indeed, yep. He doesn't have a clue where Saskatchewan is. I absolutely He knows it's north. So Saskatchewan is the one of our middle provinces. Yeah, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went, I, I when I left Windsor, I left for about a year and I worked at, the, at a mine out there. I, I worked for a general contractor out there doing industrial construction. And that really wasn't for me. So I got back into building materials back at Windsor for a short time. And then I went to a, a commercial door outfit actually. And that was the last company I worked for before I started with Bona and really got back into something I'm passionate about, which is wood floors. I probably would have known all that. And you probably told us all that on the interview, but it was at Tim, Tim Hortons. And I was my first experience with Tim Hortons donuts and stuff. And I was more infatuated with all that than, than listening to your background. Did you like the Timbits? Oh, man, of course I do, yes. Um, so, um, and I didn't realize you had quite a, such an extensive background because as you say, you are a pretty young guy to have been in the, in the industry for so long. Um, what, what, and also your quick study. I mean, the, I picked up on that, you, on that with you really quickly, uh, especially with the adhesives and the different products, you really kind of uh, immersed yourself into that role. 
And um, maybe tell me, tell me what you like about the, the, the role as a territory manager up there and, uh, and some of the challenges you, you, uh, you, you uh, faced so far in your young career. Tell us what your region is. So I look at, so I, I look after the, I look after Western Canada. I'm, I'm all the way from Vancouver Island. So British Columbia to Manitoba. So. Got the region that, there. Yep. Um, and you know, that, that brings up an interesting question. You asked me about, uh, about challenges. Uh, so we'll start with, I'll start with the hard part. The challenges across that part of the world we go all the way from an incredibly uh, humid climate that, that stays pretty consistent in humidity and temperature on the coast in Vancouver to areas like Calgary and Edmonton, Saskatoon, that we have we can have 20% relative humidity changes and, and temperature change in the same day. And guys out there have totally different challenges in doing their wood floors. Say that one more time. You could have a 20% RH swing and temperature change in the same day. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk Celsius. So, uh, you know, we, we, could, we, could be, we could be minus 10 in the morning and plus 10 in the afternoon. And the RH could have changed from, from 50 down to 20%. Well, so, you just, you, you acclimated to 11 o'clock? Is that... Is that how you acclimate the wood? Well, you you got to pick what time of the day you want to acclimate the floor to. You've got it 100% right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you, you asked me what I what I what I like about my role the most, and you know, it's it's our customers. We have such great customers up here in Canada. Um, the guys that the guys that I get to talk to on a day to day basis, uh, all the way from distribution to the contractors that are using our product, uh, really great people. Um, can't say enough good about them. They, they, they really, uh, um, they're really passionate about what they do and that makes my job so much more fun. So you used to be in Vancouver, correct? Right. And now you're living in Calgary. Yeah. I live outside of Calgary. I'm about 20 minutes outside the city in a town called Chestermere. The thing I thought was crazy. Um, you know, for years I coached a U S postal hockey team from the New York region. And every year we would go to Canada, a different city in Canada. We did this for about 12 years. And, you know, Wayne was talking about the great people and everything. The thing that shocked me the most was, you know, you just think of Canada as, oh, everybody's a Canadian, you know. And I, I think that what blew me away was how different the coast was to the Midwest. You know, when we, we did a tournament in Vancouver, and then two years later, we did another tournament in Calgary, and I was just shocked. I mean, you know, cowboy hats and and the whole, you know, how Calgary was like a, a cowboy town. There, I couldn't believe it. And then I found out that the whole thing is all about cowboys, and they have the uh, what's the big what's the they big the, uh, the the stampede? Yes, I'm stampede. sorry, stampede. So that was uh, what I thought was great about Canada was just how how versatile it is. It's a lot, it's exactly like the United States when you have different regions of the United States and the people were just though, everywhere we went, the people were just amazing. It's really east, it's really uh, like west to east, you know, then east to west as far as the cultures kind of change and you, you got that 100% right. You know, when you go in, in Vancouver, you feel like you're in a different, a different country than when you're in, in Calgary 
or in Edmonton, uh, you, you get a, a different, different, different type of people and different mindset, and, it, and it's great. There's so much diversity up here. So, you know, and I, I don't know why. Why is there such a good? Why is there such good country music that comes out of Canada? People don't realize there's a there's a whole music scene up there, man. That's really if people don't know about it, is pretty pretty cool. You know, I I mean, I think it's just uh, I think it's just the the gen the uh, how how genuine the people are that that write the songs. You know, Wayne, you and I have shared songs back and forth from different artists uh, in different parts of Canada that you found that you introduced me to from guys that are up here and vice versa. And uh, and I think their their stories are just so true. And uh, you know, they're really they really talk they really. Where, where they are in the country really speaks through in their in their music so well, let's talk about one of the big you know i'm not from i i never the whole time i did floors was in california right and and uh we talk about how the, the weather is very mild and i'd be watching tv and i see guys standing standing floors in six foot snow banks and i think how how do these guys do that man i mean the challenges of working in the weather up there in canada uh, in certain times of year, maybe you can talk about that. The contractors have to face that somebody down in Florida or California, different parts of the country, never never even know about. Well, I mean that that, that was what what I had mentioned earlier. You know, we get we you could be it could be minus uh, it could be minus thirty or forty outside, and you and the guys will have the heat blasting inside, so the house is going to be so dry. Um, so they they're going to have they're really going to have to be careful to, to make sure that they they've got the humidity controlled in there as well. And, you know, educating their, educating their homeowner on proper, on proper climate control for the house is going to be, is going to be huge so that they don't uh, wreck the beautiful floors that they did. Cause you're, you're going to have uh, within, within a few days, you have such a huge change. The worst thing that Pete and I used to see in New York, was a lot of winter work was when people were going to Florida or going on vacation and they give you the keys to the house. And the absolute worst thing to happen would be to get a foot of snow. And then we'd pull up to the house and the first thing we'd have to do before we could even unload the truck was shovel the driveway, shovel the walkway and take care of all the snow. It was misery. We'd be, we'd be two hours before we could get in there and start hanging plastic. Up here, you, you know, you, you talk about guys in, in New York, you've got people going away and handing you the keys to sand the floor. Well, I mean, a lot of people up here, they're going to, when, when we're not in this, uh, in this COVID situation, are going to go down south in the wintertime. So they're going to, they're going to, uh, they're going to lock up their house in the winter and they're not going to understand that they need to humidity control the house while they're gone because they're, and they're going to come back and, and have issues with their floor. So I mean I think education on that on that uh, um, uh, environment for the floor, not just for yourself, is is really important. So we um, we talked about our, one of our last episodes on contracts that, that talk about uh, making sure the homeowners understand that and sign off on that. If anybody has listened to that episode or if they still want that contract, um, they certainly can email me for that. But I, I think what that does is I think that, that, you know, makes for some really smart, educated contractors that um, in that part of the world that uh, really understand how moisture affects hardwood floors and that maybe 
have way better knowledge than other parts of the country because they have to know that. That's so important to their business up there. I listened to uh, Jell Nymark talks, talk a lot about acclimating floors up there. He's one of the instructors for the National Flooring Association. That uh, does a real good job on, on some of his talks about those challenges. And I think that, I mean, there's some, I, some really, really, really good educated contractors that come out of that part of the world, man. They really know their business. And, and they, um, they also, I, I, Rob makes fun of me when I say this, but the Canadian contractors travel well. I mean, every time there's an NWFA seminar or, or a conference or a BONA get together, what have you, uh, these guys show up in force, man. And, uh, and I, I absolutely have a blast with them. They got great personality, man. Uh, some really, really good contractors up there that, have a, that uh, know how to have a good time. You know, it's funny you said that because we could do a school up there every week and sell it out. When, when we go up there to do schools, uh, you know, mainly the schools I do is in Toronto, but we could do a school there every week and, and sell those things out. I mean, the Canadian contractors, they are in it to, to learn and as, just as much as they can. And they really, uh, they really come to the schools to, they want to take something away. You can just tell. You're, when we every time we have an event in in Calgary, whether when I've got uh, when I've got a demo or a new product uh, new product uh, launch or anything like that, you know the guys are just so excited to see what's new in the business, and we always get a great turnout to anything we host up here for that that's fluorine related. Um, so I, I'm not surprised that the schools fell out on the East Coast. We wanted to have Nico on, but we're going to need a three hour show. If, if we're going to have Nico on. So we're just, we just need to set the time aside. You know, we're, we're gearing up for Nico. For those of you that don't know Nico, Nico's my uh, East coast counterpart who uh, Rob would need about a week to interview him. He's, he's your mirror. Yeah. You know what? He, uh, you ever hear him play the guitar? I that, have. That dude, <laughs> I told him to play stairway to heaven one time and I was just joking. Because you know, Wings World, Stairway to Heaven, you know, no one you can't play Stairway to Heaven in here. Dude sent me a track of him playing like he, he he took all the guitar parts of that song, he did them all separately and put them on a track and sent it to me. So he's like playing all different parts of the song with different guitars. I mean, and he didn't know the song. He, he's a young, he's like like younger than us. He didn't know the song at all. So like he had to learn it in a week and then he sent it to me. I thought, man, that's that's seriously talented, man. He is a very talented guy. How's business up there? How, what are the guys seeing? Guys are busy, Rob. You know, contractors that I talk to on a daily basis, they're, a lot of them are booking into, into, into February and March now, wow. um, which is just absolutely incredible. I'm so happy to, 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 for them that their businesses are doing so well. Uh, you know, the, the, the guys are, a lot, of, a lot of people are staying home now, so they're really paying attention to what's going on in there house and they are investing in uh, investing in in their own home and investing in improving what they've got and that's really turning around to to put money in the floor contractor's pocket west coast too west coast in calgary i mean i think right across the right across the board in canada uh contractors that i talk to are, are, are busy um all the way from the from the the individual contractor all the way up to the guys with multiple crews Crews, they 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 all seem to have lots of work, um, and, and 
from from what they tell me they they, they don't show any any sign of slowing down so there was um no shutdowns for the covid for the contractors there was a bit of a scare in the in the beginning that the construction was going to get shut down but i mean there's different safety protocols that they've had to follow so if they're now everybody has to wear a mask in a public place or on a job site in most areas when when we first uh, when, when the shutdowns first happened there was some delays with new construction so for guys for the guys installing on the multifamily sort of projects and gluing down hardwood a lot of them couldn't get into the job sites right away but it just made them do other jobs and, and get back there what what trends are you seeing now out there brad uh, do, do you follow the trends uh, like, you know, in America now, mostly it's white plank flooring. I think it's the same in Canada, correct? Yeah, the floors are getting wider and longer, kind of the, the white washed out looks and grays, um, natural looking floors and textured floors are, are, are become are really popular still. Um, when you look in Vancouver, uh, pretty much everything's getting glued down. Uh, yeah, everything's kind of built on slab. So there, there's a lot of glue down floors there. And that trend is starting to carry over into Calgary, but uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, the market in Calgary's uh, pe- people are still on plywood subfloors. So they're, it, they're, they're using the, the glue assist method and um, uh, with their wide plank floors and, and nailing them down, but wider and longer for sure. There's a pocket up there too that does some five sixteenths floors. Uh, still right yeah still top mills are you seeing much of that in your area so when i was in vancouver uh when i i would see I, w- I would see a lot of guys uh in the uh in the in the in the downtown vancouver area and some of the heritage buildings they would do a lot of sanding on 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 the five sixteenths floors and top nail floors lots of really cool patterned uh uh borders and uh with some wall, like usually red oak with uh, with a walnut inlay around the outside. Yeah, I find that interesting because there's different pockets of the country that have it. And I, I, oh man, maybe it was 10 or so years ago, someone from Canada, I believe, did an article in the NWFA. And I've seen uh, uh, Chell when he was at the NWFA uh, demonstrating using a Kavanaugh nailer, which is the greatest nailer ever made in this industry. Kavanaugh nailer. Here we go. You can't have now. a show without mentioning the Kavanaugh nailer. No. Yeah. I'm going to put one, on, I'm going to bronze one and put one on my mantle when I'm all said and done. One other, one other thing we see a lot of on the West coast and, and, you know, in, in towns like Whistler and Squamish and uh, into the BC interior, we see a lot of fir uh, and a lot of pine softwood floors. I think that's really? pretty, un- pretty unique to this part of the world. Huh. Um, you get out much when you're in Calgary, you get out and enjoy the countryside. The Rockies. I try to. We we get out uh, we get out when it's not too cold, but uh, sometimes that can be a bit of a challenge. We uh, we were in a hockey tournament up there, and the funny part about playing hockey, Americans playing Canadians, is we did, after we get our asses kicked, we'd ask them to come on down. We'll, we'll play in baseball. We'll play <laughs> baseball, okay, down in the states. But we got blown out of this hockey tournament really quick up in Calgary. And so we had a Sunday off or, you know, we got blown out in the morning. So we had the rest of the day. And do you ever go to Banff National Park? I have. I love it. Amazing place, right? 
it's just, so beautiful. Just amazing, you know. So me and uh, two guys on the team and Bum, Bum was kind of like the uh, the stick boy, you know. We're driving through Banff National Park and we're listening to Banff National Park radio. And there, there's specialists on there talking about the wolves, the wolves in Banff National Park and, you know, the, how the wolves travel and, you know, all of oh, wolf, wolf, wolf. For about 45 minutes, we're listening as we're driving. And then Bum screams out, look, wolves. And I'm like, yeah, those aren't wolves. Those are huskies. You just, you're, they've been talking about wolves for 45 minutes. And he goes, no, dad, look, those are, there's wolves. So I say, hey, let's, I got a movie camera. I go, let's get a good shot of these wolves, you know? So I drive like a bat out of hell. And they were, what they were doing is they were just kind of walking down this railroad tracks in the middle of the park. So we drive down about a mile. I get out, we get out of the car and we're trudging through like two feet of snow to get to these railroad tracks. So we hike in, I don't know, maybe a quarter mile from the road. And there we are standing on the railroad tracks with this movie camera. And now people are starting to stop and park and they're, you know, they're watching us. And I'm like, we're the gutsiest sons of bees. I always show these people how to live, man. So we're waiting, waiting, waiting. And we still don't see the wolves, but I know they're going to be coming because they're, you know, they're coming this way. So somebody said you know one of the guys from the team said yeah there there's one right there you can you can see him coming he's pretty far away and i said wasn't there three and then my son goes he goes well dad wolves when they attack they come from the sides and the front he goes they circle the prey and right then and there i'm like well where are the other two and then somebody says well they're probably circling around you know taking a look at you you're pretty big piece of steak for them guys. So all of a sudden I had this whole thing going through my mind of how am I going to explain to my wife that, you know, I let her kid get tore up by these wolves just because I wanted to get a good picture of them, you know? So I said, all right, that that's it. You know, everybody back to the car. So now when we get back to the car, there's probably 20 people standing around watching us. And as we get to the car, one guy says, did you see him? I said, no, I, we only saw one of them. And he goes, what do you mean one? There's only one. I go, no, there was three of them. I said, there was three wolves down there. He goes, no, 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 no. We're the grizzly bear. There's a grizzly oh, bear. No. Yeah. That's what, people were, that's what people were standing there for. They were trying to see the grizzly bear that's coming up from behind us. While I'm trying to get a picture of wolves, there's a grizzly bear coming up from oh. behind us. So that's when I said, all right, new rule. Nobody gets out of the car. Okay. I got to get my son home alive. But uh, that took the wind, that took the wind out of our sails when we, uh, when we heard that one. It's funny because um, my wife and I went to Banff as well. And I wanted her to see a, an elk because she had never seen an elk. So on the way to, when we got like 100 or 150 miles, it seemed like before BAMP, I looked on the map and I saw like, it was like a logging road or something. And, and we four-wheel drive like 35 miles an hour for hours and hours on, on end, staring out the window. I, I just, I, I couldn't wait to show her what an elk. I, you can't think how big these animals are. 
and, and bumpy, bumpy road. We could have been on the freeway and we could have got there in no time, but we took this road, went hours and hours and hours and saw nothing. So finally we make, we make it in the BAM and on the hotel lawn, there's like 60 of them. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. And she smacked me, she kept hitting me on the shoulder. But when we drove into that town, when you go, when you do go through the entrance of the town there, you have to drive over pipes because the well, elk won't walk on the pipe. What is that? That's called a Texas gate. Yeah. Yeah. It's so many elk. Yeah. yeah. We saw, I bet we saw two herds of elk. We saw the wolves. We saw the elk. We saw a big horn sheep right in the middle of the road, licking the salt off the road. The wow. wildlife is the wildlife out in, out in those national parks is incredible. It so, really was absolutely amazing. It, it made it made it all worth our while getting the crap kicked out of us by the Canadian hockey players. So there was a, a few years ago, Rob, there was a, a public sort of service announcement that came out. It was more more for tourists than anything that uh, they had to remind the tourists that bears and selfies don't mix. And now, <laughs> no joke, if you drive through if you drive through through some of our national parks, there are signs in the rest areas that that have a picture of a tourist and a bear, and it tells you, you know, selfies and bears do not mix. Wow, I I can't so, agree more. I cannot agree more. I mean, there's a couple different ways to look at that. I mean, if the guy wants to get a picture with the bear, maybe he doesn't need to be here. <laughs> well, what's it? Uh, Darwin's, uh, yeah, law. Maybe that's not such a bad thing, right? What is Darwin's law? Is that like the rising boats, no. rising tides? Yeah. Survival rising. of the fit, survival, survival of the fittest, fittest or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is quite the, uh, that is just such a beautiful area up there. I'll tell you, we, like I said, we went up there for hockey tournaments for 12 years in a row. And we just, I think the best part of the, of the tournaments though was after the games and just uh, the hanging out and drinking beers and swapping stories with the Canadian teams. And man, we just had so much fun doing that. Great. Just the best people. Matter of fact, I was doing, um, we had done, well, I think we did three or four tournaments in Toronto. So when I'm doing schools in Toronto, you know, I've, I've actually, I talked to one guy who played in that tournament he worked at uh, at a local post office. And, uh, you know, everybody who's been to my schools know that I like to mark a floor, you know, with a marking stick. And they made me a Canadian marking stick. It was a hockey stick with no blade, but they screwed a puck to the end. And it actually nice. marks the floors really nice. So whenever nice. I uh, get my team picture up there, I always got my Canadian marking stick. Do you uh... – uh, Wayne, you said you you told me once that you you've been out to the out to BC, out to the uh, Gulf Islands, and out in the Charlottes and all that kind of stuff fishing, right? No, no, I, I had I've gone I, I went steelhead fishing in British Columbia, and um, it was uh, I mean just out of this world. In fact, <clears throat> we never saw it. I, I was with a guide, but we saw where a moose had just come out of the river and shook. Uh, unless that's his rap, maybe he throws, maybe he has a buddy who throws five gallon buckets of water in the area, but I bought it. But uh, he goes, yeah, you know, you see where it's wet right there with that? He goes, that's where a moose came out of the water and shook. And I went, man, that's a man right there. And then I walked a little closer to him as we journeyed through the forest. That's the way. When I was, uh, 
when I was in my when I was in my my early teens and through my teen years, uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to to have a have a boat in the family, and we would go out boating in the Gulf Islands quite a bit. So I I, I really enjoyed seeing all those areas. You'd see you'd see uh, um, you'd, you'd see um, killer whales and all that kind of stuff. And I got a fun story to tell about a about a night then when we were out at the fireworks off the coast in Vancouver. Um, you didn't know that I've ever that I had to rescue a whole family once from the ocean, did you, Wayne? No. So ah, is that so right? You're like a, a version of the Canadian Coast Guard. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, so we were. So it was about it was about ten or eleven o'clock at night, and they had just finished a firework uh, presentation that was called. It's called the the celebration of light. You know, it'll get it'll get two three hundred thousand people on the beach and hundreds of boats out in the bay, in uh, English Bay. And, uh, you know, we're, we're getting ready to start coming in and we see these guys on the sailboat and they're, they're waving their hands in the air. They're just going crazy. And, uh, we're, I said to my, I said to my dad, I said, I said, well, I said, well, I said, those people need help. And he said, he said, what do you mean? I said, they're, they're waving, they're waving like crazy. I'm like, he's like, I'm just paying attention to, to make sure we don't hit anything on the way in. And I said, and I said, because there's lots of boats out there, lots of traffic, lots of uh, kayakers getting in the way, and you don't, you know, there it's dark, and a lot of them aren't smart enough to put lights on. So, anyways, we, I tell my dad, I'm like, hey, slow down, slow down. We're we're gonna we're gonna stop. We're gonna help these people. So, we took a line. We we saw we 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 saw them, and I got down onto the back of the boat, and I said, what's going on? What do you guys need? And they said, well, we're, we're, we don't have power on our boat. We lost, uh, we lost our motor. They didn't lose it, but they lost power to their motor. So I took, I said to my dad, I said, do we got a spare line? And he said, yeah. And he said, it's right there. So I, he threw me the line. I threw out a hundred foot line and they tied it to their boat. And their boat was a 50 foot sailboat. And we had a 30 foot power boat. And middle of the night, we, uh, middle of the night, we, we tow these guys in. And we basically had to had to launch them into the into the Coast Guard haul out because little did we know, and we found out later, they were actually taken on water too. Wow! Holy crap! What did you charge them? Well, they they got the bill in the mail. We 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 charged them. We charged them. Uh, we charged them pretty good. You must have laid a hell of a guilt trip on your dad, huh? I you know he. he I did. I gave him a pretty good, uh, give him a pretty good guilt trip about that. You know what I mean? I mean, we could have lost those people. I thought that's maritime law. You have to save somebody unless you're Wayne, of course, and then he's just going to fly by. Well, I, I, well, okay. I got to tell you the story real quick. Um, <laughs> he did it. He did it. Listen, come on. I, I, I went fishing. First of all, it was a four hour drive to this lake, right? So it's a long drive there. And it was in the summertime, and it's, it's the fishing is miserable. Uh, oh, nothing, no bites, nothing. It was miserable. But I knew as soon as that sun started going down, it was going to be on. And I knew that I had to be at this certain spot, this certain place, and the fish were going to turn on. There was a window of time that was like very, very short that was going to make this trip worthwhile. I'm with my buddy, and we get there. Now the sun is going down, and now it's on. Right, the fish are biting and everything. And then in the background, I, I say, I hear, help, help. And I'm going, no, I don't hear that. I don't hear that. I'm, you know, I'm fishing, fishing. 
And then how? I get a four-hour four ride home. I don't hear a thing. Right. Well, I mean, this is now is the time. This is the window of fishing. It's only going to last 45 minutes if I'm lucky. And I don't, this is not the time for asking for help. So my buddy goes, did you hear that? I go, yeah. He goes, what do you think? I go, no, not now. This is the time. The fish is, it's, I, we'll help him. Of course, we're going to help him. What kind of man wouldn't help him? But not now. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> this, is the, this is the window of time. We went, we're 12 hours. We fished today for this 40 minutes. We'll get to them, but not now. So we're done now. We're okay. It's time. I've the, the, the little guilt trip on me. So I cut it short by about 10 minutes or so. So I put the poles down. I get ready to put the troll motor up to it. Now we're going to go out there and help them and tow them in, whatever. Not like that they were sinking or anything, but somebody had got there before me, right? A boat was coming in and got there before me and then, you know, kind of towed them in. So now I get back to the launch ramp where they're together at the launch ramp. There's the guy that was 150 yards away that you were asking for help. <laughs> and um, so, like I said, I, I've been more than happy to help them. But if anybody, anybody fishes and has this passion for fishing, that you can't let that 40 minute window of time go. So, did they say anything to you? Did they, huh? Did they say anything uh, to you? Like, hey, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Was a little it. Awkward. it was a little awkward, but I was prepared to say, hey, man, I would have 100% in to help you without a shadow of a doubt. But, you know, I'm sorry. Just you not did. yet. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just not now. So, Brad, what are some of the more popular Brona products and systems that you're seeing used up there? You know, on the on the on the Finnish side, we're seeing seeing lots of lots of uh, lots of natural floors. So, not lots of the Bona sealers are getting used, and uh, a lot of a lot of the Mega One's doing really well in in Traffic HD. But uh, and then in in the stain in the stain part of it, we're we're seeing you know usually it's not just like a provincial floor it's a two parts provincial one part jacobine or whatever it's a it's usually a mix but one of the things that uh, that we're that we're really seeing starting to take off and 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 be a real good uh trend as far as installation because guys want to do things the right way and they want to protect from moisture is we're seeing guys use uh our r540 to uh to to uh, mitigate the moisture and then because our floors are getting a lot wider and and uh, and they're uh, and they're getting longer. They're they're using the 850T to to glue assist. Um, you know that's uh, that 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 idea of doing of doing a floor the right way is is really popular up here. So we're we're seeing guys install the right way. So it's interesting you should say that, Brad, because the MWFA magazine came out in October, and there was a survey with contractors, and one one of the survey questions was. What is what, what are the main reasons for callbacks that you've experienced over the last year or whatever? And 24% of the reasons for callbacks uh, was popping, squeaking, creaking floors and moisture issues. So when you talk about wider plank floors and um, you know the thin the floors have gotten thinner in some in some regard. And um, there's the wider the board, the less fashions per square foot. So that trend of nail glue assist. And Rob and I talked about the, the NWFA changed their guidelines in 2019 on the on the assist. So the 540 with the sausages absolutely can knock out 24% of what the industry callbacks were last year. So it was interesting. Brad, are you seeing any different trends, um, like a trend on the West Coast, different from what they're doing in the central part of the country? 
As far as the as far as the tight as far as the uh, appearance of the floor, not really. I mean the 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 uh, the, the natural floors are, are popular right across the country, and the and the sealers and that kind of stuff. But as far as installation goes, uh, you know the, the the floors on the coast are are, are mostly getting glued down full spread uh, because they're they're installed on concrete slabs. Um, and then in the and then in, in the center of the country, there's a lot of plywood subfloors, so they're still getting uh, glue assisted and nailed down. Can I ask you one other question too, if it's possible? Can we trade you Journey for Neil Young? No. No. <laughs> Well, what what would you take for Neil Young? How about how about Aerosmith and Journey for Neil Young, so we can claim him? You know, I'll I'll, I'll write I'll write the Prime Minister for you, and we'll 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 see what we can do. But you know, we're I mean, they'd have, they'd have to self quarantine when they get up here, so I don't know if it's really going to be a good sell. The reason I asked you about Neil Young because uh, Russ Never Sleeps was one uh, I think came out in 1979 and. Um, my top 10 albums of me being a teenager, Russ Never Sleeps was in that. Uh, and I saw the movie and I had to see the movie again and again and again. And uh, I think Russ Never Sleeps for him was about uh, a performer not getting complacent, you know, an artist not getting complacent. And so I bring this up now because you are young in your career and it's how hard is I, we see you work, man. That I don't ever think there's ever going to be any rust sleeping around you, Brad. Uh, the feedback we get from you, from the distributors and the contractors and everything, and the passion you have for your job and everything, uh, I think it kind of uh, is uh, appropriate. But um, I'll still trade you pretty much any three artists over here you want for Neil Young because he's one of my all-time favorite man. Uh, cowgirl in the cowgirl in the sand knocks me out, man, every time. You know, I've seen Neil Young three times up here in Saratoga, okay? And one time he just came out and he was just Neil Young, right? Just the Neil Young classics. And then another show that we saw, and this is this is back in the 90s. He was, uh, it was like all techno. He was uh, trans. They called him the trans man, okay? And it was all like techno. I couldn't believe that it was Neil Young. And then we saw him again. And it was all doo-wop music. He was out doing like 50s doo-wop music. So it was amazing that the three shows that we saw from one guy that was just so completely different. It blew us away. Wow. I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. Oh, no. Here we go. I bet a lot of people don't know about Neil Young. Do you know that one time he played with Rick James? Super freak, baby. Super freak. Yeah. Back uh, must have been back in the '60s that there was a time that them guys they, they played together. So um, anyhow, there's your there's your trivia for today. I have Rick James on my playlist. I like Rick James. Of course you do. Is he on your Christmas play playlist that's coming up? My no, not on my. I don't know. I'll have to see if Rick James did any fun Christmas music. I know Joe Pesci does a fun Christmas song. All right, so I got to ask you. You're a Canadian guy. I'm not trying to be racist or anything, but. I got to ask you, I mean, everybody knows I'm a diehard Boston Bruin fan. That's it. That's my number one team. Okay. I'm sorry what's to hear your, that. What's Yeah, there you go. The The first school that I ever did in Montreal, I wore a Bruins jacket and a hat into Montreal. Even as I was going across the border, um, 
even the guy at the at the border, the Canadian border, he gave me a rash of uh, you know what for that. So, what's your team, man? Well, don't tell anybody that that don't tell any of the guys that uh, that live near where I live now in in Calgary. But I'll still be a Canucks fan till the day I die. Milan Lucic, baby, Milan Lucic. I, he was the best thing ever come out of Vancouver for us. Oh, for sure. He's a he's a he's an all star. That guy. East fanboy, right? Yeah. East Vancouver. So he's, uh, so you're from Vancouver. That's where you're kind of raised? Well, I was, yeah, I was raised outside of Vancouver in Langley. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So that's why you're a Canucks fan. Yeah. And you know what? I, I don't, I think, you know, you move to a different city. I think you got to stay loyal to your roots, don't you? Yeah. If so you it's, move- even, it, it's nice that you talk to me, you know, from what happened to you guys in 2011. Well, I, you know, I mean, there's a reason that D's my favorite trainer. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, 2011 Boston Bruins beat the Vancouver Canucks uh, for the Stanley Cup. But that that had to be one of the greatest. And I'm not saying this because, you know, I'm a Bruins fan, but that was a really great tournament. That, that was a great series. That series was just just so good and it was it's it was just so perfect east west canada you know original just what a series that was you know it it, i have to say it's tough being a canucks fan sometimes because you know we've we've had so many great runs at the cup and you know what still nothing but you know what one one day you guys have never won a cup no wow but we've had some great runs we've had some great we've had some great opportunities and we've been close Man, you came close that year. I mean, that was game seven. And it was in your house. Uh, yeah, by the way, real quick, too, uh, just looking at Wikipedia, the Vancouver Canucks joined the NHL in 1970. No Stanley Cups, Avalanche 96, two Stanley Cups. Wow. I, I also say thanks to uh, the Bruins for Ray Bork. <laughs> wow. So we've held you long enough, uh, and you're doing this after work, Brad, so I appreciate it, man. Thank you for being on the podcast. We appreciate you taking the time. And once you give your email address out in case anybody wants to get a hold of you. It's uh, Brad, B-R-A-D dot uh, Scott, S-C-O-T-T at Bona.com. You know, I'd like to take a second here and uh, and just thank all of our customers out here on the West Coast uh, and in the Western part of Canada for, for such a great year. And, uh, you know, it's getting close to Christmas here. So happy or Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all the guys out here. And, uh, Please stay in touch if you got any questions or need any help. Uh, email me or call me anytime. And thank you guys for having me. I, I, I'm a avid avid listener of, the, of your show, and I'm glad I could uh, be your first Canadian guest. And hopefully, I didn't screw it up for anybody else, and we get to have another Canadian guest one day. Thank you, Brad. It, you know, Rob says all the time that you know the flooring industry is like a brotherhood, and it is a brotherhood. And uh, it's good to uh, uh, get a chance to have one of our Canadian brothers up here and represent from Canada and so thanks for being on the show and this has been another show of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob please stay tuned for another episode